Welcome to a special Pest Central limited series celebrating the 50th anniversary of integrated pest management. This collaborative effort focuses on the history and future of IPM in the North Central region and features university faculty and agency staff interviews from around the region. This work is supported by the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture and the North Central IPM Center. This podcast is edited and produced by Michigan State University Extension. MSU is an affirmative action equal opportunity employer. Michigan State University Extension programs and materials are open to all. Happy 50th anniversary from the Purdue IPM program. Hi, my name is Cliff Sadoff, and I'm a professor and IPM coordinator in the Department of Entomology at Purdue University, where IPM has been thriving since the 1970s. Uh, we have, uh, it's, when it started, uh, we began with uh, starting pilot IPM programs, scouting schools, and then turning it over to private consultants, and it thrived uh, for, uh, for for a long, long period of time, and uh, now our most recent uh, uh, entomologist who's working on IPM in agricultural systems is uh, Dr. Christian Krepke, who is who's with us today. And uh, he's going to talk to us about uh, some of the research that he's been doing on BT corn uh, for the past decade or so. So, Christian, uh, I'd like to start off by asking you to give me a little bit of background about when and why BT corn was first produced. Okay. Um... The when was 1996, uh, when the first BT corn hybrid targeting European corn borer was introduced. When we say BT corn, we mean any corn that has uh, genetically engineered a plant tox or, uh, a toxin that is uh, toxic to a specific insect or group of insects, pest insects, that is. So 1996 marked the introduction of that first BT corn targeting corn borer and later some other lepidoptera and pests, corn earworm and so on. And in 2004 was the next major leap when we introduced uh, BT corn targeting the corn rootworm. And if we fast forward to present day 2022, the vast majority of all the corn planted in the US between 80 and 85% expresses at least one uh, BT toxin uh, targeting one or more pest insects. And usually it, it uh, is more than one. Usually it's more than one toxin per plant. So when you think of the corn as you're driving through the countryside in the Midwest and you see field corn, the chances are that uh, that is BT corn out there that you're seeing. Well, that sounds great, this widespread adoption. Uh, so uh, what are some of the benefits of this uh, for the environment and the agro ecosystem? Well, the, the initial and most uh, widely heralded benefit was reduction in pesticides, insecticides specifically, and therefore improved environmental health, sustainability, and improved worker health. And that was really what made BT corn uh, so attractive because you're only targeting the pest insects. Uh, BT hybrids are harmless to things like bees and earthworms and other beneficial organisms. So. They really are targeting only the pest insects. Um, and that is unquestionably a, a, an advance on how we were 
accomplishing this before, which was primarily using uh, a series of insecticides through the years, uh, most of which the insects developed resistance to anyway. So uh, with all these uh, upsides, are there any uh, downsides? Well, what, one of the potential downsides is that it's, it's reduced uh, the need and the uh, um, ability for growers to have decision points or choices in terms of um, pest management for insects. So for example, in corn, most of the pest management decisions are made when that producer purchases their seed because that producer decides whether or not they want BT toxins, whether they, whether they want any of those traits, which ones they want, and then corn is sold routinely with neonicotinoid seed treatments on it, BT corn is, um, has, has some rate of um, either clothianidin or thiamethoxam most commonly. And so what that means is there's a lot less reason for growers and consultants to scout fields uh, because your key pests certainly are covered by the BT hybrids and your secondary pests um, are theoretically covered by neonicotinoid seed treatments. So it's an insurance approach to pest management, uh, which is quite different than the way we used to do it before where we had more a threshold-based approach. So one of the downsides is it's, it's been successful, it's been very convenient, um, but there's less opportunity to, for off-ramps and to do things differently. So we see all BT, all neonicotinoids all the time from throughout the Midwest. That's generally the way we've been doing corn pest management for the last, at least the last 15 years or so. So, you know, this is pretty counterintuitive. You know, you start off with something that uh, has great potential uh, and lots of uh, great realized benefits. And uh, somehow or other, it seems to be running a little bit counter uh, to the IPM philosophy. So uh, what kind of work have you been doing uh, to uh, counter this trend? Well, it's in some ways, this is the new IPM philosophy. So the, the IPM in it that's in our textbooks and, and that was you know, first coined 50 years ago and refined and, and we've all read about may be um, a little bit different. So rather than being really um, you know, dogmatic about it, I think the approach is to embrace uh, what's good about this one-stop shopping for corn pest management while still emphasizing that um, there are choices and options out there. One of the things we've been doing is trying to um, show uh, growers and show a wide range of stakeholders what the benefits may be in their region. So for example, in Indiana, where we are, we have very low rootworm populations. In fact, we have a hard time finding anywhere in the state where we can routinely get economic levels of feeding. And so when we do those tests and we don't show damage even to unprotected corn, we can show producers that for them, the technology fees, the extra fees associated with these stacked corn hybrids that target rootworms are really not efficacious, are really not going to provide any pest management benefit and therefore won't pencil out economically. Uh, you won't get a benefit from any pesticide or pest management approach if there's no economic level of pests. That doesn't mean the other BT uh, um, 
toxins may not be efficacious in that same region. So for corn, corn borer may still be an issue. So, but what we're trying to stress is the fact that if growers ask for these choices, if they uh, look at what the options are in terms of BT, yes or no, and if, if yes, which ones, um, they can fine tune the approach a little bit rather than going with the maximum stacked hybrid at the highest rate of seed treatment every year, which is an easy an easy uh, trap to fall into, but has, has certain long-term repercussions, uh, including resistance to, to both of those approaches that we want to avoid. So how could a grower get some information on how to uh, make choices uh, and uh, get different types of seed corn or beans? Primary way that we, we primarily focus on corn rootworm uh, with, with these efforts. That's the one where there's, you know, historically has been the more recently, the heavy hitter in Indiana and much of the Midwest. And there's a, a working group, um, a regional working group that's uh, based out of Iowa State, but Purdue is part of it and many other universities are as well. And that's where we try to put all of our information, use that as a clearinghouse. Uh, that's a website that is cornrootworm.extension.iastate.edu. And that's where you can find information about things like trapping for adult rootworms uh, to determine if the following year you need to consider um, BT corn targeting rootworms, for example. That's great. That's a nice, that's a nice action item. Um, how about uh, the pest and crops uh, newsletter uh, for Indiana growers? You know, we have a pretty wide circulation with that one over there. Is that a reasonable spot to get other information as well? Well, that would be the more, uh, that would be the approach if you're looking for um, in-season information and information about a wide range of pest outbreaks and issues. Uh, the Pest and Crop Newsletter is our Indiana version for those listening in other states. Um, they all have a, a newsletter as well. Uh, in, throughout the Midwest, all of my counterparts produce newsletter uh, articles as it's necessary. So the, there's no shortage of information out there is the bottom line. The corn, corn and soybean world is, is pretty well covered by entomologists throughout the region. So anybody that wants up-to-date information should look in their region at their state check the nearest land-grant university and, and find out what's out there for you. Yeah, that's great. And it's also good about that working group so that uh, those people who really want to get the advanced information that they would need uh, to justify not uh, investing in the uh, uh, prophylactic control uh, with resistance, uh, could uh, they could get some confidence with that sort of decision uh, right. from the tools on that website. Right. Well, uh, thank you very much uh, for for uh, giving us an update uh, on the field crops aspects of uh, IPM uh, in honor of the 50th anniversary. Okay, thank you. Thanks for joining us to celebrate the 50th anniversary of integrated pest management. Check the show notes for resources mentioned in this podcast and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes.